interviewing the leading private equity executives and unlocking the secrets of success. Welcome to the Private Equity Podcast with Alex Rawlings. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Private Equity Podcast. If you have not already, please do subscribe as we put out podcasts every two weeks, and they'll be you'll be notified of them straight into your inbox. Joining us today is Daniel De Alvia, CEO and founder of Spax Consultancy. Welcome and thank you for joining us and sharing your insights today. Thanks for having me. So, Daniel, for those of us that don't know you, um, could you give us a kind of 60 to 90 second breakdown of you, please? Thanks. I am a corporate finance lawyer. And uh, since uh, 2018, uh, I set up uh, Sparks Consultancy, where we advise uh, management of Sparks uh, and also, of course, underwriters and all the main actors that are involved in the Sparks transactions. I am also an academic, so a teaching fellow in banking and finance at Queen Mary University of London. And there I have researched Sparks for more than 10 years. And just in November 2021, there will be after almost 10 years of writing my first book on Sparks, that is also the first book in the world, that is titled Mergers, Acquisitions and International Financial Regulation, Analyzing Special Purpose Acquisition Companies, edited by Rutledge. Excellent. Excellent. So what's one mistake do you see either private equity firms or their portfolio companies companies making, Daniel? Well, actually, I mean, uh, uh, Alex, I would think uh, rather than speaking of mistakes, uh, speaking of opportunities. So we always learn from mistakes. And uh, we have to even uh, highlight that private equity industry had uh, a quick rebound. In fact, if we see one of the last reports of private equity market report by Bain & Company in March 2021, we discovered that actually in the second half of 2020, private equity industry did very well. What for sure, uh, uh, I mean, uh, are two key points that could be highlighted as possible uh, areas where mistakes are made are devaluations. So the fact that that was uh, in 2020 and also today in 2021, we see always a growing interest in uh, technology forms uh, where asset prices uh, are soaring. So in some ways, very important devaluation process, and that can uh, give room for error or mistakes. And on the other end, uh, the private equity industry has been historically at least uh, for too long a paper-driven industry. And so this, uh, the pandemic, I think, has shown how this could be inefficient and can create some mistakes. Okay, interesting. And for those uh, listening and, and maybe not as fully up to speed, as I appreciate the SPAC space has been around for a very long time, but I also appreciate that it hasn't been quite as mainstream uh, certainly it has been over the last few years. Can you describe the kind of space for us and you know the definition of a, of a SPAC and how that works, please? Thanks, yes. Actually, I have to say, by starting that there is not a real definition of a SPAC. And also from a legal point of view, we don't have a legal definition of SPACs uh, unless, I mean, in Malaysia, we have soft law instruments like the guidelines, equity guidelines, where there is a forced definition of SPACs. 
SPACs actually are investment vehicles, are cash shell vehicles, so they are non-operating companies, where the management that are usually high uh, expert managers, they look for uh, a target company to acquire, usually by virtue of a reverse takeover. So it means that then after uh, the process uh, is completed, uh, the target company that is a private company becomes public. And uh, to this end, uh, just to summarize, we can say that SPACs, they reverse the IPO process. So instead of an operating company seeking investors, we have investors that they seek an operating company. Okay, makes, uh, that definitely makes sense. Why do you think that SPACs have become so popular over the last few years? Well, I think that there was uh, already in the market uh, some conditions that they were created. In fact, for example, there was a long decline in the appetite for traditional IPO. And so if we think even uh, in 1996, uh, the number of public companies uh, today is half of what was in 1996. So for this reason, uh, uh, IPOs were down 85% since then. And this has created already a room to have like a spark growth. But definitely the pandemic has been a key element because interest rates, for example, they started to become lower on debt. And so this has shifted the interest of investors to equity. And sparks, of course, they fill this gap. They fill the gap where investors, they can invest in equity and even for the first time, retail investors, they can bet on target companies that are high growth companies. So they can bet who is the next Tesla, for example, something that traditionally was reserved only for institutional investors, especially in venture capital round of financing. Yeah, I agree. I think certainly within private equity, I think there's a, um, an issue there where the only people that can really get in is is institutional. I know there's a little bit of, I've spoken to a few people on the podcast that are looking to, to change a little bit of that, but fundamentally not a lot can be advertised and published and promoted. Um, and it can be a quite a secular industry on that basis where it has to come from institutional capital. And therefore as normal retail investors potentially don't get the opportunity to, uh, to invest, albeit um, I hope that that does uh, change and continues to uh, private equity becomes continues on its kind of route of becoming more of a, a mainstream type uh, investment vehicle. So, so looking at the private equity world and SPAC, I mean, if you look, look at them on the outset, you would suggest that they're most likely competitors, uh, in essence, with SPAC being a slightly different model than private equity and more singular rather than typically in a private equity model, there'll be multiple acquisitions. So what kind of threats and opportunities do you believe that the SPAC industry presents to uh, to the private equity industry? Uh, for sure, I think, uh, as you said, uh, there, there are key differences. Uh, so the fact is that private equity industry has uh, highly related, uh, relied, sorry, on uh, debt. So here in the private equity industry, you can see in a nutshell, uh, debt is key, while in SPACs, equity is key. So warrants and shares, stocks. So we are speaking about two different words, at least at a force side. But then uh, if we delve into this kind of a paradigm, we start to see that actually many private equity firms uh, since uh, the start of the SPAC boom in 2020, they started to, to be on the sponsor side. 
So for example, Gors Group and the TPG, they just issued 11 SPACs for 4.82 billion of proceedings. And then also Apollo that raised 1.45 billion with three SPACs, for example, between 2020 and 2021. But private equity firms are also active sellers, so they look for exit strategies. And just to mention, maybe one of the biggest deals of 2020 is the famous transaction with Blackstone and CVC that took PaySafe public in a $9 billion deal. Interesting. So there's definitely a lot of, uh, of opportunity there. What, what do you think, obviously, with the SPAC industry being what you would regard as a newer in the mainstream of, of investing, what do you think private equity can learn from, from what the SPAC industry is doing? I think that private equity can learn that uh, the SPAC transaction, they can be an alternative way for their uh, exit strategies, uh, but also for their ways of investing, uh, as we were saying before. But generally, I mean, uh, I think that SPACs uh, are uh, an alternative way of investments. So this is something that uh, actually more than learning, I think that private equity industry and SPACs uh, in the future, they will start to become closer because the opportunities in the future will, will be more on equity than, than debt. Interesting. So, um, and what do you, obviously being on, on the periphery, as I would suggest, might be like myself with regards to private equity, you know, we're not actively investors ourselves, but what do you kind of love about the private equity of our kind of venture capital industry? And, and also, what do you dislike about it? Yeah, well, what I said even before at the start is the fact that, I mean, in the period of disruption, economic crisis, the private equity industry has always a way to soar, so a way to come back and uh, not to go down. So this is something that, I mean, uh, is the challenging feature of private equity, and it is what I love. They are creative. So even uh, if, uh, I don't know, in the 1980s, everything was more on the leverage buyout, uh, then uh, once they saw a new opportunity in SPACs, they started to become sponsors in SPACs uh, or to use SPACs for their exit strategies. So they always find a way, and this is something that is very challenging, interesting, competitive. On the other hand, something that maybe I can say I dislike about private equity, that I don't really dislike something, but the fact is that, of course, if you rely, for example, on debt, debt, uh, as we know, is an amplifier. So like if you buy companies in, in period that are uh, positive periods of uh, economic uh, downturn, uh, for sure you have uh, multiples, for sure you have uh, high profits, returns. But of course, uh, if you use that to buy companies in a period of crisis and then maybe you over-evaluate assets, this can be challenging because then uh, everything uh, that is a loss became three times more. So the return on equity for private equity investors uh, in period of crisis and with maybe mistakes that we were saying at the start in terms of valuations that are made uh, by managers that can be paid uh, highly more than stocks uh, than when you invest in stocks, of course. Okay. Okay. And what would you, uh, you know, appreciate learning about SPACs and, and, uh, and, and being in that world, but what are you, what are your influences? Where, what do you read? What do you watch? What do you listen? Where do you take your, uh, your learning points from? Yeah, reading, I mean, I always read the Financial Times, then I'm Italian, so I read Milano Finanza, Sole 24 Ore, 
and uh, the Wall Street Journal, uh, and of course, of course, uh, Bloomberg. Bloomberg uh, always, I mean, uh, I subscribe to different updates, so it's something that uh, is important if you work uh, or uh, in general, even as an academic, if you research in financial markets. On the other hand, uh, for example, to listen, I like also exchanges at Goldman Sachs that they have a specific podcast uh, about uh, financial markets. And apart from financial I mean, uh, matters uh, or uh, topics, uh, I like also to read classics like uh, Dostoevsky. So I think uh, that, I mean, um, managers uh, or generally also academics in financial markets, they always should have an open mind. So not only focus on finance, but also to philosophy and to other type of topics. And if, if someone's listening and wants to find out a bit more about the SPAC industry, where would you recommend that they went to uh, to kind of read up on that and research it? Yeah, for sure, a SPAC insider. Then uh, for sure, my papers or the papers of Professor Milos Vulanovic, who is one of the major experts in SPACs uh, in economics. And then, of course, uh, as I said uh, at the start, uh, I have now published in November 2021 uh, the first book on SPACs, and, and they have other uh, two edited collections on SPACs in the pipeline. So I think uh, very soon uh, the, the market, the reading market, I mean, can be covered. Absolutely. Thank you for, for sharing that. And Danny, if anybody wants to reach out to you and maybe have a bit of a discussion either about your firm or, or further discuss the SPAC industry and how that affects private equity, how, how best does somebody reach out to you, please? Uh, for sure, we have a, a website, spacsconsultancy.com but also my email, that is uh, d.dalvia at spaxconsultancy.co.uk. Okay, perfect. We'll put that all in the show notes if anybody wants to uh, to reach out. Well, thank you very much for joining us, uh, Daniel. I really appreciate your insight and brought lots of value for, for everybody listening and a bit of a learning curve as well for me, uh, understanding more about the SPAC industry. So thank you very much for that. And as of course, um, those listening, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, should you ever need support with either private equity professionals or portfolio executive hiring, please do reach out to me and Raw Selection in the future. And of course, please do subscribe and you'll be notified of the next podcast coming out in two weeks. But till then, keep smashing it. And thank you very much for listening. Thanks for having me, Alex. Perfect. No, thanks, Daniel. That's excellent. Thank you for listening to the Private Equity Podcast on www.raw-selection.com.